All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about the vaccine supply and some of the new rules about who's eligible to receive the vaccine. So we've got uh, authority now for uh, teenagers as young as, well, as young as 12, is Mm -hmm. that right? Yes. To receive the vaccine. I got two teenage boys at home, so I want them to get vaccinated. So this is good. I like it. And Dr. Bonnie Henry yesterday was asked, well, wait a minute. This is a lot of people we're talking about here, vaccinating people Mm -hmm. over 12. Do we have enough vaccine? And here's what she had to say about it. We are looking at how to do it most efficiently. The the good news is we have a lot of vaccine coming if all goes as as planned in the next few months. So between uh, May and June, um, we will have quite a lot of vaccine, so we should be able to uh, fit this into our program um, and still reach that goal of having at least a first dose um, into the entire population uh, by the end of June. Your thoughts? Yeah, so we will have a lot of vaccine if, if these contracts are lived up to, and no reason to think they won't be. So Pfizer is increasing its weekly doses to BC from 276,000 this month to 328,000, or sorry, 276,000 a week this month to 328,000 a week next month. Also, we will get more Moderna and more AstraZeneca. We don't know uh, how much, but this month we're going to have 1.24 million doses. Next month, at least 1.3 million doses, probably much more than that, because we are going to get more Moderna and AstraZeneca. So we're going through the age groups pretty quick. So by moving it down to 12, that brings in to the population, the vaccination population, about 300,000 more people. Uh, that's how many kids are in, from 12 to 17. Uh, but again, that's, that's, that's less than one week's shipment of Pfizer. So we will have enough vaccines to get it, one shot in everybody's arms. It's going to be interesting how they get the kids done. I've talked to health officials who everybody's leaning towards getting them in school, and the school year ends June 29th. They don't want to wait to, wow. to kids to disperse and try to find them again. They're in, they're in class. They get vaccines in class anyways up until before the pandemic. So we'll look for kids to get inoculated in June. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, there had been some speculation that there's so much vaccine or like, you know, relatively good wave of vaccine coming in that maybe they could shorten that mm-hmm. time between the first that, shot and the, and the booster shot. Is that still That remains possible? a possibility. Yep. I mean, the great unknown is we don't know how much AstraZeneca and Moderna and Janssen we're going to get. I mean, we could get a windfall of vaccines, which means everybody's second dose could be significantly sooner than four months. Okay, what is that? Because it could come from the states, the AstraZeneca? AstraZeneca could come from the states. Uh, Joe Biden is sitting there. We're still trying to figure out what the roadblock is. Moderna's proved to be less reliable, although they've become more reliable. We're getting 136,000 Moderna doses either this week or next week. And the great unknown is Janssen. There's a, there's, you know, there's contracts signed for tens of millions of doses to come to Canada. BC's share of any shipment is 13.6%. That's our share of the population. So right now on the horizon are a lot of doses. Okay, case numbers coming down. What did you think of the numbers that came out yesterday? Yesterday was probably the best day in six weeks. That was the lowest num- lowest daily case number, but big drop in ICU cases. Our positivity rate continues to decline. Uh, the hospitalizations are down, but still high. I mean, still concerning. Uh, hospitalizations in ICUs are still high. Zero people died, which is great. Uh, again, so we're trending towards the right uh, uh, targets right now. Well, we're not there yet. I mean, still, 572 cases at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> well, that would we have hit, been terrible. We'd have been, you know, yeah, remember now we're we, happy about it. When we hit 50 yeah. uh, early on, people were freaking out. Now yeah. it's like, oh, it's only 572. That's yeah. great. But that's yeah. that's uh, the fourth day of less than 700. And uh, again, we're testing the same amount. So 
Uh, it's encouraging. Okay, it is encouraging, and a lot of optimism around the vaccine rollout and officials. Uh, I, I remember Horgan saying a few weeks ago that the plan is to have kind of a semi-normal summer, hopefully, mm-hmm. and ho- that continues to be the hope. Despite that, though, we do see continued cancellations of big events, including the PNE close to your heart, where you work for a long time. Have a listen to this. This is Laura Ballin, spokesperson for the PNE, um, talking about how uh, this is a real threat to the viability of the PNE going forward, and uh, they're looking for a bailout. Have a listen. We are the place where British Columbians have come after the Great Depression, after the First World War and after the Second World War to come together again. And um, we are very dedicated to being that place again. So to have to ask for help is incredibly hard. Okay, and talking about her dedication to the cause, you can hear the emotion in her voice there. This Is is this kind of an existential threat to the PNE? Like, could the PNE yeah. go under here? It, or? It, it, that's their fear. They could go under. It's, uh, it's a big operation. It needs bridge financing, basically. So they're looking for $8 million from the government. I think the pressure is going to be enormous on the NDP government to fund to help these guys. This is 9,500 kids, well, not kids, but young adults work there. Uh, this is an economic lifeline for for young people in a way that no other institution uh, provides. So uh, they've got a hundred million dollar fund. But it's a short term job, so it is. But it's uh, it's a lot of money for kids. I mean, the kids don't work fifty two weeks of the year. This is part time work, just like a lot of other kids work part time. And it's a it's an economic lifeline for them because they make a lot of money in a relatively short period of time. And it's not just the P and E. It's Playland. It's the ongoing operations that are there. The government has established a $100 million tourism uh, fund for anchor, what they call anchor um, organizations. And if the p is not an anchor organization, I don't know what it is. What would they do with $8 million? They would just keep them afloat? I think just, oh, yeah, they wouldn't open the p and They are yeah. going to try to, Laura said, has been saying they're going to try the drive through event again, which yeah. is popular, but that's small potatoes compared to a, a, a fair. They want to keep this uh, going so they can open the fair next year. Okay, get set to call me on that and tell me if you think the government should put $8 bucks on the table to save the p and here. Let's listen to Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General. He was on the show yesterday uh, talking here about police powers at roadblocks and those roadblocks going into effect tonight. Here's Farnworth. Police have reasonable grounds to believe you are about to leave your regional zone or are already traveling outside of your health authority for non-essential purposes. They can direct you to stay within your region or to leave the authority at that time. Failure to comply with the requirements at a road check or the direction given by a police officer may result in a $230 fine. Violating the travel order is a $575 fine. The primary goal of these road checks is to educate and deter people from traveling for non-essential reasons. Okay, when do these roadblocks go up and where will they be located? They go up today, I'm not sure about the specific time. On Highway 1, it's at Boston Bar, Highway 3 at Manning Park, uh, 99 at Little Wet, and Highway 5, which is the Coquihalla, at the Old Toll Booth. Um, which isn't in operation anymore, but that's where the road check. Now, you're going to be asked to provide your driver's license, uh, your home address, and the reason for your travel. Um, but it's not going to be an owner's examination, uh, but it will be. you will be required to talk to a police officer, and there's no exceptions. It's not random. It's just everyone who wants to travel there. And again, it's interesting. I looked at the stis- I've been. I look at the statistics, the data every day, every week. And this disease Center for Disease Control has consistently provided data that shows where uh, the infections come from. Very little come from travel from outside the province. It's within the province. So what they're trying to do is drop the transmission of the virus by stopping British Columbians from going around BC. It's not Albertans coming in, despite what you see online and everything. 
It's not Albertans coming in. I think in the, in the last week of reporting, almost 4,000 cases, 11 were attributed to interprovincial travel. 84 okay. for international travel. Okay, that's very interesting because, of course, we see a big COVID problem in Alberta right now, and a lot of people saying, well, wait a second, why are you stopping me from going to my cabin or going camping when there could be people streaming across the border from Alberta in this in this COVID hot zone, and you're not putting up roadblocks there? The why don't hot- you put the roadblocks up on the border? Well, the biggest hot spot is actually Surrey. Yeah, <laughs> much worse than Alberta. So, do you make the argument put a put a, a net around Surrey? That's not going to watch. But you do want to stop people from Surrey, from Abbotsford, which is the second hotspot in BC, um, from the Fraser Valley, traveling into the interior and taking again unknowingly in many cases taking the virus into these locations. Okay, and that's why you got mayors of these cities saying, "Don't come." Okay, I had Mike Bernier on the show this morning, the Liberal MLA, the former education minister in B.C., and he posted on social media on Sunday that he and his whole family had come down with COVID, and this was his first media interview this morning, and he talked about uh, a message that he wanted to give to people to keep your guard up against this virus. Here's what he told me. Yeah, I mean, we need to all do that. We need to be following uh, all the rules. You know, we've been making sure as a B.C. Liberal caucus that we're not politicizing this in any way. We're working with government of making sure we get that message out there let's let's stay safe uh everybody please consider getting uh the vaccine we need to get to a point where uh, we can get uh, not only the population safe most importantly but let's get our let's get our country and let's get our province back open let's get people back working and start rebuilding okay, your thoughts well all the best to mike and his family he's a great guy um yeah. so full recovery ahead hopefully um he's up in the peace river which again has a disproportionately high number of cases and has had for the last month they come down a little bit but still not out of the zone a, he lives in dawson creek there's a lot yeah. of covid there a lot of covid there yeah. uh and dawson creek was one of the designated areas for special vaccination clinics so uh mm. they're trying to get everybody up there vaccinated as quickly as possible one of the issues up there is there's a lot of young people young males who aren't in the age cohort to get vaccinated. That's where they're working in the camps. They're working at Site C. They're working in oil and gas. Didn't they get priority to the vaccine? Well, now they're getting the vaccine, but for the longest time, they were they were too young to qualify. They were in their 20s, yeah. 30s, and we haven't got to that age cohort yet. But as I say, this is changing around the province, but uh, the Peace River area seems uh, to be a special area of concern. But again, all the best to Mike. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to Malcolm on the line in Vancouver. Hi. Morning, lads. Uh, I think they should uh, at least give the P&E 12 to $16 million based on the fact that they are one of the largest tax bases. Uh, you're not just talking about the P&E, you're talking about Playland, the extent of Playland from... Uh, what is it, uh, early May uh, to September, um, their tax base is huge. So the amount of revenue, they, I think they should have more. Yeah, I mean, $8 million bucks. I mean, at the end of the day... That's a drop in the bucket. It really is. It really is. Yeah, Keith, your thoughts? Well, they actually need $15 million. They're not asking for that, is my understanding. But, uh, yeah, they're... They're not they're, asking for $8 million? They're, they're, they're asking for eight, but they, they've oh. got a $15 million um, hole. Okay, uh, so they're, they're not even asking for everything they need? No. Okay. Like, but, again, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't get help from the provincial government. Like, uh, yeah. Um, big enterprises like that need some bridge financing to allow them to survive till when the pandemic is finally over. Let's go to James on the line in Vancouver. Hey, James. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm, I'm a little confused because, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the, the 
the PNE is a city-sponsored event, not a provincially-sponsored event, mm-hmm. and that the revenue that comes out of that goes back into the city of Vancouver, not to the province revenue, correct? Well, no, there's a lot of a lot of sales taxes is paid at the PE. Well, I mean, fair, fair, fair enough, but the, the like the vast majority of the revenue that comes out straight profit aside from taxes will go to the city of Vancouver. Yeah, well, the, the city case, of Vancouver municipalities. Are, so you're saying why you're saying Vancouver should do the bailout? Well, I don't know why they're not asking the, uh, Kennedy Stewart for the bailout before they ask the province. Okay. Well, Kennedy Stewart was at the news conference asking for the bailout. <laughs> was he? Okay. So, I mean, Kennedy Stewart was the first mayor out which uh, to ask for financial assistance for Vancouver early in the pandemic. Remember yeah, those, those sure. regular news conferences? I can tell you talking to NDP cabinet ministers, not impressed with that, that uh, attitude, that performance when everybody was hurting. But municipalities are, are hurting big time right now. The provincial government is the big player here. They've got the most, uh, the deepest pockets, which is why you're going to see the province step in and have to fund, whether it's a PNE or other municipal events or municipal uh, situations. Um, they've got a lot of money to hand out. Okay, Alex on the line in Surrey. Hi. Yeah, I just want to find out about the uh, this out of town traveling. If you've got people from out of province traveling throughout BC in different health regions. So if these guys are attending a celebration in Surrey and then driving up to Kelowna or driving to wherever they are, back to Alberta or from Alberta, back and forth or Saskatchewan, whatever, are they going to get turned around these uh, roadblocks or are they just free to travel anywhere they want and if they want to spread whatever they have, they can spread it anywhere they want. Okay, well, potential if they go through a roadblock, they're going to stop everybody, and they're, they're right? Presumably, they're going to be turned around. One of the challenges, Alberta. What, what would they do? Have... Tell you to go back to Alberta? Is that what they would no, do? I would think you would turn around and say, "Go back to where wherever you came from." One of the challenges Albertans are going to have, though, is hotel operators and campsites are being told, "Do not take bookings from people outside your health authority." Right. So it's. I think there's a, people are jumping to conclusions here. Suddenly, an influx of thousands of Albertans are about to descend upon BC. There's no evidence that's going to happen at all. Well, you mentioned that the the BC Center for Disease Control put some stats up on that, right? Like, how do they know that? Like, the, how do they con- know contact tracing? Yeah, yeah. So, so every person who has COVID is contacted by a contact tracer, yeah. uh, interviewed extensively on where they've been, where, where the, who they've talked, and they're to. saying the COVID's not coming from Alberta. Well, it's not coming right. interprovincial. It's very low numbers. I mean, there's some numbers, eleven in one week. You know, yeah. that's probably from Alberta, but it's not all uh, Alberta. People are flying in from Toronto. Okay, Shannon on the line in Langley. Hi. Good day. It's Shannon Claypool from Cloverdale Rodeo. Oh, uh, hey, Shannon. Regarding the, regarding the PNE, I mean, the, the government has to help it because we can't lose institutions like the PNE. What about I you mean, guys? Uh, we're doing okay because we did a deal with Warner Brothers and we got the movie industry doing a, uh, a well, oh, great. for five years. They, Superman and Lois are filmed and, and we're going to be okay. But we can't let institutions like the PNE go by the wayside over, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a few million dollars in the government's budget. Yeah, no, Thanks, a- absolutely spot on. Um, and tip of the hat to the Cloverdale Rodeo. I also worked at the Cloverdale Rodeo for five years as a kid uh, in the midway there. So I'm a veteran Cloverdale Rodeo fan as well. Okay, Cloverdale Rodeo has also been canceled yeah. for but this year. But Shannon say they've got, they've got some they're contracts gonna with Warner Brothers that have allowed them to sort of bridge. Squeeze in one more. Phil in Vancouver. Phil, you got to go quick. 
Yes, I'm just phoning. Um, you know, what about all the organizations that have scaled up from the PE, such as, you know, Toyko, the President's Choice, the liquor store, all the performers, Brian Adams, Buble? You know, these are people that could easily pull together a consortium to be able to pull together that measly budget to them when you put it all together in a Thanks, Bill. perspective. Thanks, Phil. Ten seconds. Like I say, since the beginning, nothing's ever off the table. People have to be creative in their solutions. Thanks, Keith.